Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday afternoon to you. I hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. I'm Dave Bacon. A little later in the show, Tommy Caroselli will be along. We'll talk some Browns and some Cavs with Tommy. And uh, that's where we begin. We begin by talking uh, Browns football. And this one's kind of interesting. Jalen Ramsey, best defensive back in the NFL, gave his top three wide receivers that were the toughest for him to cover. Here's what Jalen Ramsey considers three best in the NFL. Anytime I play D-hop. Is he the best shit. wide receiver in the league right now? The reason I say yeah is because uh, D-hop done had 20 different quarterbacks and put up the same numbers. Always put up numbers. I got Odell. When Odell, when, when Odell healthy and he on his shit, he tough. I probably got Julio. Julio? I probably got Julio because Julio uh-huh. just, Julio can do it all. Let's bring in Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter for Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer. So, uh, Dan, Jalen Ramsey says Odell Beckham, one of the toughest to cover. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting to see Odell on that list. And, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in football, of course. But, uh, you know, look, Odell, when he's healthy, we know what he can do. He's he's got all that fast twitch and and he's, he's, he's really fast. He can get down the field. He can catch the football and run with it. I could imagine that even for a guy like Jalen Ramsey, he's really difficult to have to defend and to put him in, in the same list as a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I mean, that's that's a really impressive thing for Odell, especially coming off that injury. I think, you know, in, in fairness to Odell, he has been banged up. He has not been healthy um, since he's been with the Browns, really. Um, various core injuries, you know, the year before and then the, and then the ACL. Browns fans have yet to see the best Odell Beckham, and, and that kind of tells you just how good he is perceived by somebody who's the elite of the elite defenders. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, when you look at the leg injuries, right, that's the one thing you get concerned about with him. Can he kind of come back from those? They, they've piled up over the years. And we've seen on social media, Instagram, wherever you're looking, Odell looks kind of like the old Odell again. And that's kind of a really scary thought for defensive backs, uh, I would imagine, across the league. And and so if he's got any of that speed back, any of that quickness, any of that fast twitch, like like I mentioned earlier, he's going to be right back up there on that discussion. And a list like this won't feel as surprising. We're going to say, oh, yeah. I remember Odell was one of the best receivers in football before the injuries started to happen, and he's still that guy. So um, as we move on, Bleacher Report has uh, five trades that would shake up the NFL. And um, the aforementioned Odell Beckham Jr. on uh, that list, they have uh, Odell to the Packers for a second-round pick. Thoughts? I, I just don't see how it makes sense. I mean, I get it for the Packers, obviously. It's it's a risk you would take with the Packers to give up a second-round pick. You're trying to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. What, what better way to do that than with Odell Beckham Jr.? Now, maybe that ship has sailed, and it doesn't matter what you do if you're the Packers. But for the Browns, you waited so long for Odell to come back from that ACL. You stood by him. 
And, it, you know, if they wanted to move on from Odell, they could have done it. And, and they probably could have done it, I don't know, for maybe better than a second round pick, even before the draft. The Browns are, you know, by actions and words, all in on Odell Beckham Jr. So I can understand why somebody would look at that and say, hey, that's a trade that maybe both sides would be happy with. But the Browns are trying to win now. So a second round pick next year doesn't help them do that. I don't think it makes a ton of sense for the Browns at all. Yeah, and the other thing I would say is, you know, you're taking away arguably the biggest weapon from your quarterback's arsenal, and, and your quarterback is who you're trying to support. All right, here is uh, three players the Browns can't lose to injury in 2021. Um, they say third on the list, Miles Garrett. Yeah, I I would say Miles Garrett is number one on the list. Well, I guess Baker Mayfield, right? You have to say the quarterback number one. But Miles Garrett is the second most important guy on this team and maybe the most important guy. And and so because of that, I would put him right there behind Baker Mayfield. I just think Miles Garrett, we saw what happened last year when he was on the field. He was still, you know, whatever it was, 50% Miles Garrett, 60% Miles Garrett. But you know, you want Miles Garrett at 100%. It changes your defense. It makes everything else that you've built work. Every, this whole defense is built around Miles Garrett. So if you want to say the quarterback's number one, yeah, of course, because Case Keenum is a step down from Baker Mayfield. But I think Miles Garrett has to be number two on the list. Yeah, and I would actually, I think you can make the case that it might he might even be number one. Um, number two, Odell Beckham Jr., which again is a little curious uh, because they didn't have him for a large stretch of last year and, and were able to work around it. Yeah, but then you also look at that Chiefs game and, and you kind of wish you would have had Odell Beckham Jr. in that game because that was something you were lacking. Even with the emergence of Donovan Peoples-Jones as a downfield threat and, and you know Jarvis Landry just doesn't miss games. The only game he's missed in his career was the COVID contact tracing game. He's there every single week. Not having Odell hurt you, not having that downfield threat, that guy that a defense has to look at and say, we need to do everything we can to make sure he doesn't get the football and, and do it in multiple ways. I do think that, you know, they got through most of the season without Odell. But when push came to, su to shove against the Chiefs, and, you know, maybe if they had even beaten the Chiefs and gotten to the Bills, I think that the Browns would have really felt the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. So I, I think it's fair to put him on this list, even with what happened last season. And number one, the aforementioned uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. Now, I would make the case, though, I think you can win with Case Keenum. I don't think you really want to for an extended period of time, but I, I think he can make the plays that you need him to make. Yeah, I mean, Case Keenum is who he is. You know, he led the Vikings to the NFC Championship game. Is that the real Case Keenum? Probably not, because the Vikings didn't want to pay him, and, and they moved on from him. The Broncos did pay him, and they moved on from him. But that being said... You can put Case Keenum out there, and he's going to run your offense, and he's not going to make devastating mistakes. He's going to prepare. He's going to do the job he's supposed to do. It's not going to be spectacular. You're going to miss out on some things that you, you would have with Baker Mayfield, but at least you know you have a competent backup quarterback who knows the system, knows the head coach, can run the offense, and you can kind of, you know, patch your way through that a little bit. So losing Baker would be devastating because you never want to lose your starting quarterback. But at least the Browns have a guy in Case Keenum who knows what he's doing, and, and they know what they have. They know exactly what they have. And, you know, the way I look at backup quarterbacks is this. Is this guy going to lose me the game? And, and I don't think Case Keenum is going to lose you the game. Conversely, I don't think he's going to win you the game necessarily, uh, but I think he can get the ball in the hands of people that will win you the game, which I think is what you want in, in a backup quarterback when you're a contender. Yeah, and you know, you look at backup quarterbacks across the league. You can be a weird position sometimes. You, you get, you see guys that just, how does this guy still have a job? How is this guy a backup quarterback for all these years? And it's just because they're reliable. You know, they're going to get the starter ready. They're going to do their job in that regard. They're going to be like another coach for the team. But then when when you need him, that guy's going to be able to step in and win a game or two, or however many games it is. You know, and, and you have to ask yourself, you know, you look at Buffalo, for example, they went out and they signed Mitchell Trubisky, who, of course, struggled so much in Chicago. Now, maybe him being a backup will help him. But would you rather have, you know, kind of that young guy with upside or would you rather have a guy of Case Keenum, you know, who you know exactly what he is? You don't know if Mitch is 
the guy that led the Bears at the playoffs a few years ago or, you know, just the guy that hasn't been able to stick in Chicago. I kind of like the idea of having a veteran who knows exactly what his job is and can come in and run your offense and just do the things you need him to do. Yeah, and, um, you know, a guy that the head coach, Kevin Stefanski, is very comfortable with as well. Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, and I'm going to step aside to take a quick timeout. On the other side of the break, Dan uh, visited with some people who the Browns' first-round pick, Greg Newsom, grew up around. We'll hear uh, about that and why they think Greg Newsom is so talented and a perfect fit. And also, uh, NFL destinations ranked by the Boston Globe. Cleveland not very high on this list. We'll take a look at it when Sports for CLE returns. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trysee-edu to check out our programs and resources. So, what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. High School, Glenbard North High School. Um, just take us through that, what you found out, and, and kind of how um, they viewed Greg and, and what they think might be on the horizon for him as an NFL player. Yeah, it's always interesting to go back and, and I think talk to people who knew a player when he was really young or just coming up. I, I mean, look, you're always going to get the, hey, he was the fastest guy out there, and you know he was just different athletically. This is a guy that made it to the NFL. So you're always going to get that. But to me, the things that stood out were, you know, first of all, he was sort of, uh, you know, he kind of went across the whole high school. Like it, it didn't matter. Everybody seemed to like him. Nobody had a bad word to say about him. Uh, he, he was really a, a kid that just kind of understood, you know, how to interact with people and how to be around people, adults, students, all of that. The other thing he put in the work, uh, you know, they, they were expected to watch film away from the team for about, a you know, half hour, 45 minutes a night. And one of his coaches told me that, you know, they could track that stuff. And Greg was watching sometimes two or three hours of film a night. He was calling out plays that other teams were running before they would run it. And, and a lot of his defensive teammates were really kind of blown away by that. So that's the stuff that stood out to me. His personality, just really adaptable, a really affable guy, but also that preparation and that work. And I'm sure once he got to Northwestern, it, it only got better from there. The other thing, it, it kind of, speaks to a maturity level and and I think that's kind of important because he's a young um, NFL rookie as well yeah and then maturity is the the perfect word for it he's really displayed that you know since the Browns have drafted him and the other thing too is you know when he went to IMG Academy his senior year he left Glen Bard North High School after his junior year went to IMG to kind of prepare for college and, and to get to the NFL 
he was never too big for like Glenn Bard. He never came back and was like the big man on campus or like, look what I've done or anything like that. He was, he was just always kind of the same guy. And I think that speaks a little bit to that maturity. And I think you have to be that in the NFL. You have to be able to come in and just be the same guy every single day and then be able to kind of flip that switch and turn on that competitiveness uh, on Sundays. And I think he has that ability. So Bleacher Report um, came out with something um, this today. Biggest spot up for grabs in each and every training camp. And for the Browns, that's the number two cornerback opposite uh, Denzel Ward. That would be Greg Newsom and Greedy Williams. And, and just your thoughts on how interested you will be to see how this unfolds. I think that's the battle to watch in camp for, you know, a team that doesn't have a lot of training camp battles really this year. And the ones they do have are kind of down the depth chart. I, I think cornerback two is absolutely the one to watch. And I think Greg Newsom has a real chance to win this job. Now they're not giving up on greedy Williams, but he's coming off that lost year. It's important to remember that Andrew Barry wasn't involved in drafting greedy Williams. He was not with the organization when they made that pick. Now, obviously, they like him. They stuck with him. He's still around. I think he has good size, a, a lot of the things that the Browns like in that number two corner. But I think Greg Newsom, who had a really strong spring, especially when we were out there for minicamp, I, I think he has the ability to come in. And if Joe Woods kind of wants to be zone heavy, which is a strength that Greg Newsom has and something he did at Northwestern, I think that might give him a leg up in this competition. Keep in mind, you know, there was um, the, before his pro day, there was some question about Newsom's speed and he blew away what people were expecting him to do speed-wise. His athleticism may be a little underrated, being Greg Newsom's. Yeah, I don't know if he got to show us everything he can do at, at Northwestern. He had, had some injury issues that kept him off the field. The ball didn't come his way a ton. You know, his interception production wasn't there, but everybody you talk to, whether it's you know college, going all the way back to high school, whatever, they all talk about those ball skills and his ability to play the football. So even though the interception numbers weren't there, I, I think we could see that number spike a little bit, especially if teams throw away from Denzel Ward and Newsom is out there. But yeah, that speed too, that's just another thing. He he goes to Nor he goes out on his pro day, runs in the four threes, you know, really impressive. That this guy did a little bit of sprinting in high school, not a ton. They they wanted him to kind of focus on football after he had a small injury. So you know, I, I think we're going to see more of Greg Newsom than really we knew he could do at Northwestern. All right, so um, we're going to change our focus here. Ben Volan, Boston Globe, ranked the best NFL destinations. Uh, number one, New Orleans. Number two, Green Bay. Three, Miami. Four, Las Vegas. Five, Buffalo. He had Cleveland ranked 16th in his initial report, he said, not much of a tailgating scene, which he edited because he got absolutely inundated on social media uh, with his um, his report there. And you see the <laughs> had a little bit of fun with it, <laughs> um, uh, you know, to ever doubt the uh, tailgating acumen um, in the Muni lot, as they say. Uh, but boy, that's. Uh, that's a huge faux pas there if you're ranking it. If, if you're going to knock Cleveland down to say not much of a tailgating thing, you just lost a pretty big chunk of credibility. Yeah, he must have just never <laughs> been by the Muni lot or his Uber never took him by the Muni lot or something. Because that, uh, if you drive into the stadium, which I do every, every week, I drive by the Muni lot. Obviously, last year was, was different, but you, you see how packed that place is early. I'll be honest, when I looked through that list, I expected to be like, I can't believe he has this city and this city and this city ahead of Cleveland. There were only a couple that I was like, okay, come on. Should this city really be ahead of Cleveland? It's hard for me to judge the city as a visitor, but I think Cleveland is a football city. If, if I had to go in there for a couple days, it would be a great place to visit. Good restaurants, good places to drink on Saturday night. Stadium's pretty accessible. The tailgating's great. Obviously he fixed that. I think he's got Cleveland a little bit low on this list. They should definitely be like, whatever, you don't want to put them in the top 10, at least put them in like the top 12 or so. Yeah, I would, you know, I kind of would agree. And I'm also surprised Kansas City isn't up in there, just given the way, you know, the, the whole thing with Arrowhead and Chiefs fans. So that those are some notable uh, omissions uh, from from the top 10 there, I think. 
Yeah, and, and look, I'll be honest with you. I judge a lot of the road cities by the cities I like to go running in. So <laughs> I might not be the the best person. I think he's got Baltimore. I think it was twenty fifth, and I, you know, I love Baltimore. I can't get enough of the Inner Harbor. Apparently, he's tired of it already. But we go there every year. I love going there and eating crab cakes. I think it was a little low on on a number of the AFC North cities. All right, Dan Lobby, uh, Browns beat reporter, and I are going to step aside, take a, a quick timeout on the other side of the break. Uh, a couple of national guys defending Baker Mayfield against that former GM who just keeps doubling down with uh, he's too short, he's this, he's that, he's not this. Sports for CLE will be right back talking Baker Mayfield and the Browns when we return. Better days are ahead. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try seeking help with full tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to tridesc.edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for online and on-campus summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. COVID-19 has changed how we show up and show out with our family. Now it's time to take the first step that lets us get back to talking smack with the side of mac and cheese. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts. As COVID-19 vaccines become available, you may have questions. Should I get it? Is it safe? Should I wait? It's smart to question. Now, get the facts at GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Welcome back, Sports for CLEM. Dave Bacon, we continue talking Browns football. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson on the uh, KJZ show on ESPN um, was asked, Baker Mayfield, better, worse, or the same uh, this year as compared to last? Here's what Keyshawn Johnson had to say. I expect him to be better. I think he will be better. Second time around in the offense with Kevin Stefanski, we saw him second half of the season play a little bit better. Obviously, OBJ comes back, and I know the first thing people are going to think is, oh, he's going to be force-feeding OBJ. That's not the case. They're going to go with the same recipe that they did last year in getting into the playoffs, except they add one of the top weapons in the National Football League, and he'll just fit in what they do. Yeah, my instinct was the same, but I think he just sold me on better. I think you're right. And I think that part of the reason why there won't be an OBJ over-forcing issue is because I think Baker has more confidence. He's, like, more secure. Like, it feels more like it's his team mm -hmm. than it did last year. And not that he was forcing the ball to Odell back then, but he won't have to now. Like, it seems pretty clear that he's their franchise quarterback in a way that it wasn't last year. Dan, I think it's an important distinction. You know, second year around and, and Baker Mayfield – you know, knows he's got a coach that is playing to strengths. Yeah, and you, and you get a lot of the same guys back, you know, same offensive line, same weapons, same system, same coach, same coordinator. You know, the more times you can say that word same, the better for Baker Mayfield. It, there's no excuse really for him not to be better this year. We saw him take big steps in the second half last year, and now he's got an offseason of, of work to put in. You know, he's worked with these guys in the offseason when he had him out to Austin. He's had some mini camp work with all these guys. There's no reason that Baker Mayfield can't steps this offense beyond what he did last year. Everything is set up for him to make that progress. All right. So um, the question is, do you buy the, you know, the a lot of people are saying he's a system quarterback, if you will, that it's because of Kevin Stefanski's system. Do you buy that? You know, I. I don't know if system quarterback is fair in the way that a lot of people use it, but I mean, the reality is, first of all, this guy's never really had a system in the NFL, right? I mean, he comes in as coordinator and head coach to get fired halfway through his rookie season. He's got Freddie kitchens, 
you know, Kitchens kind of had a little cushion around him of assistant coaches that helped him, but then they were all gone and we saw what happened in 2019. Last year was the first time he had a system that played to his strength. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, there might be what two or three quarterbacks in the league that can kind of transcend the, the pieces around them and maybe bake and Baker Mayfield could develop into that. He could become that maybe he isn't. And we just haven't, you know, completely seen it because there hasn't been stability around it. I think this system is great for Baker Mayfield. I think he's thriving in it. I don't think we should be using that as a bad thing. He's got, he's got a system that plays to his strengths. And we saw in those highlights, those throws he makes, that accuracy, that ability to throw on the run, his deep accuracy, all of that goes beyond the system. So when you can kind of combine all that stuff, you know, people want to use system quarterback in a bad way. I think the system suits Baker Mayfield very well, and, and he can be really successful in it for a long time. Finding the system that your quarterback uh, can thrive in is kind of the job of a coach. I mean, look at it this way. Would you ask Lamar Jackson to stay in the pocket and try to pick a defense apart? No. Would you, would you ask Tom Brady to roll out and play on the run? No. There's only three or four guys that you say, hey, he can do whatever we need him to do. And, and I think that's kind of the point that, you know, if you, if you look at it that way, there's nothing wrong with having a quarterback that you're playing to his strengths. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Baker Mayfield is, is like I said, for all those reasons, I think he's a, a good quarterback. Maybe we're going to be saying after this season, he's a great, you know, top five, top six, whatever quarterback. Accuracy, deep ball accuracy, throwing on the run, all of that stuff. I mean, you can make an argument that Drew Brees with Sean Payton was a system quarterback in some ways, right? You know, Tom Brady with Josh McDaniels for all those years. And those guys found ways to continue to transcend that system. So, you know, look, people want to throw system quarterback out there. You know, Kevin Stefanski came in. He looked at his quarterback and said, this is what Baker Mayfield does well. I'm going to accentuate that. That's not a bad thing. No, that's what good coaches do. All right, so um, ESPN has uh, ranked this one's quarterbacks, and it's based on executives, front office types, coaches, uh, players' votes. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Three, Tom Brady. Four, Russell Wilson. Five, Josh Allen. Baker Mayfield was out of the top ten, but uh, listed as also receiving votes. I'm not completely surprised that he hasn't quite gotten there yet. I think this is the leap year for Baker Mayfield. I think this is the year where when all is said and done, people are going to look at him and say, okay, we need to start putting him in these conversations. Obviously here in Cleveland, you know, everybody's on board. Everybody loves Baker and, and believes he belongs in those discussions. Now, I think nationally it's lagging a little bit. I, some of that has to do with 2019 you know, people felt a little burnt by what happened that season and they just want to, I guess, maybe take a step back and make sure what they saw at the end of last year is real. But I think this is kind of the leap year for Baker Mayfield. Or by the end of this year, if the Browns do what they're capable of doing, that there's just going to be no question that Baker Mayfield is going to be on these lists somewhere in that top 10, probably higher up the list. So uh, an AFC executive said, I could see him getting into that DAC class eventually. He doesn't have all the athletic tools of some other quarterbacks but he's developing into a really good passer. Um, it's what you want from a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it would. it's nice when your quarterback is a good passer. And Brown, Browns fans don't need to be told about that. But, you know, just going back to a point you made, right? It, it's about understanding what a quarterback does well and allowing him to do that. So you're not going to, just like you wouldn't ask Lamar Jackson to sit in the pocket all day and, and read defenses and, and pick defenses apart like that, you're not going to ask Baker Mayfield to run that Baltimore offense because it's just a completely different skill set necessary to do that. So it's finding that marriage. And, you know, look, I like the Dak Prescott. If he can reach Dak Prescott levels this year, that, that's great. I, I'm probably higher on Dak Prescott than some people might be. I really like him. I think last year he was putting up insane numbers before that ankle injury with all those weapons in Dallas. If that's where Baker lands in the next year or two, you're going to have a really good quarterback for a really long time. And uh, Browns fans are going to have a whole lot of fun because it's going to go deep into the playoffs as well. Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter for Cleveland.com, the Plain Dealer, and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. What to expect from the Browns safeties and uh, a couple of guys from ESPN defending Baker Mayfield against that former GM uh, that keeps saying he's uh, – going to tie them to mediocrity. 
Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. A My Social Security account allows you to access your earnings history and benefits information, request a replacement Social Security card, get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Continue talking Browns on Sports for CLEM, Dave Bacon. So Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager of the New York Jets, has uh, made it pretty clear he would not have the Browns assign Baker Mayfield to an extension just yet. Said to do so with time to mediocrity, thinks Baker's too short and uh, too slow to be successful in the NFL. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, former quarterback, had this to say on the Pat McAfee show on that topic. When he said the Baker stuff, like, too short and too slow, Drew Brees won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson's, like, one of the most successful quarterbacks in the last decade. He's not tall. And it's just like, we. if you go back in time to 2018, August 25th, or April 25th, when the Browns took Baker number one, and you tried to write, like, hey, in three years, the ideal situation would be this. It'd be exactly where, like, Baker and, and the Browns would be. And I'm sitting there like, dude, there's no way. There's just no way that you can sit there and for the guy who's been thrust into a plate. Like, Baker should have failed by now. Should have been an absolute failure by now with what he went through. And I'm sitting there like, Mike T, there's no way that you honestly sit there and say mediocrity. I mean, his name's etched in the NFL history books. Dan, I, that's a really interesting point, and I didn't, never really thought of it that way. But if you went back and said, you know, when you take Baker Mayfield three years from now, four years from now, this is where you're going to be sitting, Browns would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when you draft a rookie quarterback and you've got that rookie-scale contract, this is the type of roster you want to build around him, and this is the type of play from, you know, the second half of last year, you know, the end of 2018 too, that's the type of play that you really want to see from Baker Mayfield. And you want to go into year four, you know, again, with tw- this is such a weird situation because 2019 is such a lost year. It, you almost can't judge Baker on this. So this is year four, but it's really kind of like his third normal year, if, if we even want to call it that. So I, I think I, I understand if people want to say, hey, let's wait and see what Baker can do in year four. Let's see what he can do now with teams adjusting to him, maybe trying to keep him in the pocket more. You know, they know the system a little bit and what the Browns are trying to do. I can understand that. But at the same time, you got a pretty good quarterback and you always have to ask yourself, what are your options? So if you're not going to extend Baker and you're going to move on, okay, what are you going to do? It seems like you've got a pretty successful setup here and a quarterback who still has some upside. And the you know the other side of that that Orlovsky touched on, again, that was very valid. Boy, did, you know, you, you know, it's like the cartoon. You're throwing landmines and banana peels and letting lions chase them with all the hurdles you're asking him to overcome 
by changing the system, changing the quarterback coach, changing the offensive scheme, changing the offensive coordinator, you're finally giving him some consistency for the first time back-to-back years. Yeah, he knows his head coach. He knows his coordinator. And the other the other part of it, too, is he's being developed. It's not just, you know, when, when Freddie kind of took over, it was very much a, okay, these two work well together. And I just never felt like Freddie challenged him. You know, Alex Van Pelt walks in the door and publicly, not even behind the scenes, just publicly says, we're going to change his footwork. And it sent the message that we're going to coach Baker Mayfield and we're going to have these expectations for him and we're going to build this thing around him, but he's going to have to do certain things and we're going to develop him and make him better. And I think that goes across the board on this football team. They want to develop their players. They want to coach them up and make them better, not just be buddies with them, not, you know, not be best friends with them. They really want to coach these guys and develop them. And I think that's really where everyone should be confident in this whole setup. They're going to continue to challenge Baker Mayfield and help him reach that ceiling, whatever it looks like. And you know what? Really good players want to be challenged like that by their coaches. All right. Um, What do you expect from Grant Delpit and the Browns' safeties? And this is an intriguing one just because of the way this defense, um, it appears – that uh, Joe Woods wants this defense to play. Yeah, this is this is one of those situations where you know in the NFL there comes a point where you have to put your cards on the table. You can be secretive and you know not say what you want to do, but at some point you got to play these games and put your cards on the table. And I can't wait until Joe Woods has to do that with this defense because I want to see what he does with these safeties. You mentioned Grant Delpit coming off the Achilles. I don't know when he's going to be back to 100%, but at least he's out there practicing working and you're going to be able to get something out of him early in the year. The guy I'm so intrigued by is Ronnie Harrison. We, we didn't know anything about him when the Browns brought him in last year. They traded a fifth round pick. It, you know, it was exciting. This was a former third rounder out of Alabama. You liked the pedigree, did some good things in Jacksonville. Never really got settled in last year with the injuries, but, you know, and, and getting in so late, but still was really good for this team. And I thought he had a really good mini camp. He stood out. He looked a little bit bigger he looked faster. I mean, you saw number 33 in a setting where there was no contact, no team drills, things like that, or at least, you know, 11 on 11 tackling drills. You still saw and felt number 33. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And Joe Woods raved about him as well. So this safety setup, I mean, I didn't even mention John Johnson, the third. So this safety setup is going to be really fun to watch this year. The other thing, it's going to be really interesting to see how different this defense looks from week to week because I, you know, I think Joe Woods, if, if he wants to get crazy with all the versatility, he's going to be able to do basically whatever he wants to do uh, from a personnel standpoint. Yeah. And I, I mean, look, that to, to make a basketball analogy, right? Everybody's watching the NBA finals. What do you always talk about? You know, are you going to go big? Are you going to go small? When one team goes small, do you match them? What do you do? And that's the flexibility that Joe Woods has. He, he could go big some weeks. He could go with that traditional 4-3 setup, or he could go small and quick, depending on what the offense is doing. And when you're facing guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and maybe you got to face Josh Allen in the playoffs, these guys that can move and make plays with their legs, you know, the, you got to play a guy like Justin Herbert, who's big and, and can do things with his legs too. You've, you've got to be ready to do whatever it takes defensively and, and be versatile and, and throw some lineups out there that maybe aren't traditional because you're playing a bunch of quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is another one who are just not traditional guys. So um, this one's a, an interesting topic as well. Sports Info Solutions uh, measures a running back stat called design gap percentage. It measures how often the running back hits the hole correctly and here is a tweet on it. Um, and Nick Chubb is number one. Uh, Damian Harris from the Patriots uh, last year was with the Patriots. Number two, J.K. Dobbins, number three. Um, but Nick Chubb, number one. Now, I will say that's also a credit to the Browns' offensive line because that hole was probably there a lot because their Browns' offensive line graded out so highly. When Kevin Stefanski took over, my first thought going with this zone blocking scheme was this is a perfect fit for Nick Chubb because there were plays, if you looked back in his early years with the Browns, where they would do this zone blocking stuff. And go back and watch that 92-yard run against the Falcons in 2018. 
that was kind of a zone blocking scheme where, you know, JC Treader gets out in the second level, Nick Chubb hits the right hole, like, like that stat shows, and he broke a 92 yard run. Nick Chubb is just a really smart, get the ball, one cut and go runner. And for Browns fans who are thinking back to all those screenshots of Trent Richardson going one way while there was a giant hole on the other side, Nick Chubb is, is an absolute breath of fresh air for them. And again, it's one of those skills that you can't really, I, I mean, this person tried to quantify it statistically, so I guess you can do it, but it, it's not something you always just see on, on the stat sheet that makes you say, okay, Nick Chubb, you know, I always kind of cringe a little when you say this back is different, but Nick Chubb kind of keeps showing you things that, that makes you think, yeah, this guy actually is a little bit different. And the other the other pro football focus one where he is near the tops in the league is making the first guy miss, which, uh, again, you know, if you have a good offensive line and your back makes the first guy miss, that's usually a recipe for, for some pretty good years running the football. <laughs> I mean, we, we always try to make the NFL complicated, but – at its heart, it's a numbers game. It's 11 on 11. And if you want to break a big run or, or makes, you know, make a big play in a passing game, a short passing game, you've got to make somebody miss, right? You've got to win when it's one-on-one. And, and you've got to help your team win that numbers game when you get blockers out in front of you. And Nick Chubb is so good when he gets to that second level. So you make that first guy miss, maybe at the line of scrimmage, now you're in the second level going against a safety or a corner. And we've just seen Nick Chubb juke those guys like crazy so when he gets to the second level a defense is in trouble and making that first guy miss it is really vital to that before i let you go let me ask you this we, we've made a, a big deal about everybody's you know second year in this system how big of an advantage do you think it is for the offensive line to have blocked a year for nick chubb because he does some things that are kind of unique i think it's really important you know, I did a story a couple of years ago just talking to guys about what it's like to block for Nick Chubb. Some of those guys are gone. Some of those guys are still around. But you do sort of get a feel for the timing of a player. And even though sometimes, hey, the, the play's the play. This is who you're supposed to block. It doesn't matter who's getting the football. It does matter a little bit to kind of know, okay, when is this guy going to hit the hole? How is he going to hit the hole? <laughs> you know, it does, how big does the hole have to be for him to get through it? Or knowing all of those things is really important. And the other thing the Browns have going for them, and it's it's getting more and more rare in the NFL, is they've got all five guys on that line back. And, and I think for all the continuity we talk about, having those five guys back, blocking for the same runner, blocking for the same quarterback, knowing everything around them, I, I think it's a big reason why they're not only going to be good this year, but I think they can actually get off to a fast start this year. Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter from The Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. Dan, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much. Yep, thanks a lot. All right, Dan Lobby, make sure you read them in the pages of The Plain Dealer as well as on Cleveland.com. We're going to step aside, take a quick timeout. On the other side of the break, Sports Illustrated lists four players with the most to gain from a career year in 2021. We'll talk about that with Tommy Caroselli. Sports for CLE. He'll be right back. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-See can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trice-edu to check out our programs and resources. So, what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. As the COVID-19 vaccines become available, you might be asking yourself, should I get it? And if I do, will I be able to go about life without putting my family at risk? You've got questions, and that's normal. The fact is, the vaccines are safe and effective. They're going to save lives. To get the latest on the COVID-19 vaccines, visit GetVaccineAnswers.org because getting back to the moments we miss starts with getting informed. It's up to you.
Welcome back to Sports for CLE. I'm Dave Bacon. We continue talking Browns football. Let's welcome in Tommy Caroselli from the Gap to Gap podcast. Tommy, Sports Illustrated came out four Browns players most to gain from a career year in 2021. David Njoku, tight end. You know, first of all, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, I love the idea of David Njoku having a, a breakout year. I love the idea of that whole article, Greedy Williams, uh, Harrison Bryant. I, I think all four of the players mentioned there are, are primed for a breakout year. And, yeah, it is kind of a make-or-break year for those guys. Especially, but David Njoku, when I look at them, is the biggest one uh, to have a make-or-break year because of the, the way the tight end position has evolved in the NFL. When you have the, the depth of uh, tight end position the Browns have, a guy like David Njoku becomes so pivotal in the Browns' development this year. If he can hold on to footballs and and, and he can be a, a weapon in the passing game, he could be primed to become I don't know, a top end tight end in in this in this league right now. Yeah, he certainly has. Um, you know, the he worked on his blocking and, and improved that. If he holds on to the ball, he's got all the athletic skill set, and and um, you know he could make himself whole lot of money because um if he has that type of season um somebody's gonna pay him a lot of money greedy williams is the second one on this list cornerback uh, who was injured last year didn't play and again needs to needs to prove that he can stay healthy and i think with greedy williams the question becomes health because there's now so much depth in that secondary with the additions of, of troy hill with the additions of john johnson with uh, just the the emergence of Denzel Ward as a top corner, as we've seen over the past couple of years, now Greedy Williams fitting into the scheme. Where can he play? Is he going to be with Grant Delpit? Is it going to be with uh, all the talent the Browns have brought in? How is he going to fit in there is going to be the question. I like Greedy Williams a lot. I think he has the the, the capability of beating being a starting safety in this league, I think. Uh, or a starting defensive back in this league. I think anywhere you put him on the field, he has the potential to be a game changer. The question is just going to be health. Yeah, and, you know, again, you just never know what the type of injury that he had, you know, if he can, in fact, get back to where he was and stay there for an extended period of time. All right, Jadavian Clowney is another guy, and, um, you know, he's going to play alongside Miles Garrett, opposite him, next to him. Um, will be the best guy he's played with since he played with J.J. Watt and had a couple of big years in uh, in Houston with the Texans. And I think with Jadavian Clowney, the question isn't going to be what kind of numbers he can put up. I think his impact is going to be felt uh, sort of in like the, in Sheldon Richardson's way where he just has to uh, plug up gap, plug up blockers, you know, make a difference in the run game. I don't think he's going to get a ton of sack numbers, um, but I do think the ability to plug up blockers and, and free up guys like the blitzing linebackers, guys like Miles Garrett. I think his impact isn't going to be felt on the stat sheet. I think he's going to have a big year, but it's not going to be in the traditional stat stuffing year that we expect from a defensive lineman. You know, I, I think the way you will measure Jadavian Clowney, can the Browns defensive line dominate? If they are yep. able to dominate – um, it's probably because he's you know, garnering enough attention um, that other guys are getting it done in addition to Miles Garrett. Absolutely. All right, and, and the last one on this list, Ronnie Harrison. and It's an intriguing safety. Browns traded for him from Jacksonville a year ago. Um, when he was able to play, he was pretty good a season ago. Yeah, he was a difference maker, and, and, and with him it comes to the same thing as Greedy Williams. Uh, it's just going to be finding time in this now crowded defensive backfield because with uh, Greedy, John Johnson, Troy Hill, uh, you have Grant Delpit coming onto the scene. You have Newsom on the scene now. Like this, this what was last year a pretty thin defensive backfield is now pretty crowded. And for Harrison, the thing for me is just going to be the best ability is availability. So can you be healthy? Can you uh, get on the field when we need you? And then on top of that, um, it's continuing the momentum. Like you said, when he was on the field last year, he was such a positive force for the Browns. Can he continue that into, into this year? I think the answer is yes, especially, like I said, it's going to be uh, similar to, to the Jadavian Clowney effect is if we aren't hearing his name, it's because he's doing his job right. So uh, 
switch focus real quickly. Uh, do you think the Browns can live up to the Super Bowl hype? This is one of the most hyped seasons uh, the Browns have had in a while, and, and with good reason. The, the roster has more talent than it has. Do you think they can live up to the hype? Do you think it bothers them? What do you, what are you sensing from, from that? I think it comes down to the leadership in that locker room. And I think Baker Mayfield has done a great, a great job with um, tempering the expectations saying, yeah, we have a Super Bowl talented roster here, but the expectations are going to come down to uh, what we can do. And, and the, the only thing that matters is what we do on the field. And anybody can talk as much as they want. The question, can we live up to the hype? I think in the eyes of the fans, nothing short of a, of a Lombardi trophy will be living up to the hype, but our team's going to fear playing the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, week in, week out. I think the answer is yes. I think they can live up to that hype. Um, in terms of a Lombardi, though, only time will tell. I would say no. I think they're still a step below uh, the the elite teams of the NFL, but they're a darn good one, and they're going to make teams pay for it every Sunday. Yeah, you know, the thing that's really interesting, and you always hear, well, the 2019, never did you hear the message in 2019 you know, we've got a lot of work to do to get to where we want to go. And that's kind of the pat answer that you hear, not only from Kevin Stefanski, not only from Andrew Barry, but you're starting to hear from it, from the players with it. I think that's a good sign. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that they're not drinking their own Kool-Aid, so to speak, is is such a, a pivotal message that, you know, it's it's one thing to, to buy into the hype, in, and believe you're talented enough. It's another belief thing to uh, start telling everybody that you're talented enough. And I think if the Browns kind of play with that Cleveland blue collar mentality that the fans have come to adopt and, and being synonymous with the Browns helmet, um, I think it's going to be a fun year to watch. I think the team's going to be dangerous. Tommy Caroselli from the Gap to Gap podcast. And I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. We're going to shift our focus a little bit. We'll talk Cavs trade, trade up, or stay at number three, and who do you take? Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Better days are ahead. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try seeking help with full tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, Go to tri-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for online and on-campus summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. First, they said cigarettes were safe. We know how that turned out. Now, they say they didn't market e-cigarettes to teens? Fact. More than one in four high school students are vaping, and 80% say their first e-cigarette was flavored. Vaping is harmful to developing brains. The reason we think vaping is safe? Marketing. Same lies, different day. Tell Big Vape to quit lying. Welcome back to Sports for CLE. I'm Dave Bacon. We shift our attention to the Cavs and the NBA draft coming up a little bit over a week. Uh, let's welcome back in Tommy Caroselli from the Gap to Gap podcast. Tommy, I like Colin Sexton, so let me couch this question that I'm going to ask you by saying I think he's a good player. I think he's a, a really good NBA player, and I think he's an ascending young player. Would you trade him because he's going to be due for a pretty hefty contract, probably – looking close to a max, and I'm just not sure he's that kind of player um, as far as the NBA standards go. You hit the nail on the head. I don't think he's that level right now. And, you know, I think he could be a piece that maybe you don't trade right now at the deadline, or I'm sorry, at, at draft time. You let him, you know, go throughout the summer. You, you, you start the NBA season. 
uh, and, and then maybe dangle him as a carrot in front of these te- one of these teams that's trying to go all in and, and let him be a, a deadline blockbuster deal that you can get a ton of draft capital out of. Um, I think the NBA right now is such a star-driven league that trading him off the bat may not be the, the right idea because there's really nobody else um, with Kevin Love's disappearing act is the word I'm going to use. Um, there's really nobody else to drive the Cavs if you get rid of Sexton. Garland's great, but I don't think he's there yet in terms of being a, 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 a superstar piece for a team. I like Colin Sexton. I don't think he's there in terms of superstar money. So I like the idea of trading him. I just think you hold on to him for a touch longer. So are you in favor of trying to trade up to get number one? There's some talk that the, the Cavs would do that. And what would you be willing to give up? in order to get up and, and try to take Kate Cunningham. And so here's where I'm going to contradict myself. If you can package Sexton, a three, and maybe another pick, maybe another first rounder for next year, or or if you can get the Pistons to buy a second rounder uh, for years to come, then yeah, let's, let's go all in. I don't think you necessarily sell the farm. I love Kate Cunningham. I think that he's an absolute weapon. He's going to be a force in this league. But the question is, are the Cavs ready to win? Because you're kind of mortgaging the future by trading, uh, you know, your your best player currently, the number three pick, and there's going to be future picks in the basket there that uh, that are done in the deal to go get Cunningham and the number one pick. Do you? Like, it's it's up to the Cavs. I think the answer is no. If if the answer is yes, it's got to be a package of Sexton, the number one, and some futures as well. Yeah, and you know, if you if you look at it from the Pistons side of things, they do have a, a you know a young player who's somewhat redundant to Cade Cunningham. So if if you give them the three and Sexton, and you know maybe you try to do a protected number one the following year, you know the thought from the Cavs side of things might be we've got Garland, we've got Cade Cunningham, we have Jared Allen. That might be a core you can work with and and kind of develop. Yeah. Um, and, and the Pistons win because they're going to get a really good player at three. Sexton fits to what they need. They need some scoring. Now, having said that, do you pass on Kate Cunningham? There's, there's the dilemma. That's the million-dollar question. And I think the answer uh, is going to be, I mean, if again, if you put the right deal together, and I think the NBA is different than any other league because of the protections that you can put on picks. Um and if it if it's lottery protected or top five protected, um, I think the, the the Pistons could jump on it. But if it's top three or top one protected, um, that's when you could see uh, them them kind of shying away from it. In my opinion. All right. So uh, here's the question: Who do you think's available at three, and who do you want the Cavs to take? Do you do you think Jalen Green is there at three if they stay at three, and um, is that the guy you want, or would you rather Mobley? I like Mobley a lot, but I don't think that Green gets to you there. So I think I think Mobley's going to end up being the guy simply out of uh, the the best available. So you think you think Green's going to end up going um, to the the Rockets at number two because anybody not named Cade Cunningham, you know, Jalen Green is more what the Cavs need than than any of the other picks. I yeah, believe. yeah, and if Jalen Green's there, you have to scoop him. But it's just I think the Rockets end up taking him at two for sure. So would you would you go Mobley or would you rather go Jalen Suggs is the question if you're looking at both Ooh. of them. Because keep in mind, if if you're thinking you may trade um, Colin Sexton, I think you're probably going to give the max contract to Jared Allen. Yeah, and, and, and that's the million-dollar question. You know, I like Jalen Suggs a lot. I think he's so dynamic with what he can do on the floor. Um, the question with Mobley – becomes what do you build around him at that point because i think i think suggs has a i don't know how, how do i say this the better um uh, the better versatility for the team to move make pieces around him versus uh mobley in my opinion so here's the here's the dilemma if you keep sexton and you keep jared allen you're gonna have two guys that are gonna want max contracts and you haven't won more than 20 some games in a year and that that just doesn't add up and I'm not being critical of anybody that the Cavs have drafted because I don't think they've blown any of these draft picks they just haven't had the fortune of getting 
you know, it's, it's a star-driven league. If you don't have first, second, or third pick most years, you know, it, it's a struggle. And, and for me, the, the Cavs need to avoid what I call Atlanta Hawks territory. Because you remember the early 2000s into the uh, really 2016 is when they start started getting out of that, where they were perennially a 7-8 seed or missed the playoffs, and they never really gained ground. So do you stay in that purgatory of Atlanta Hawks territory, or do you go all in on the tank to try and uh, accumulate those high draft picks, like you were saying, to get a star? Or do you try and go in all in through through trades and max contracts? I think Jared Allen, um, if the Cavs move on from Sexton, is the guy who ends up getting the max. But again, to your point, is he worth it at that point? And I again, my answer is no. I think the Cavs don't have a guy on this roster right now that's worth a max contract. So uh, this roster construction, like you said, it's no fault of their own. They 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 hit as well as they could with the the picks they had. It's just they're kind of in that middle ground right now that it's so hard to break out of in the NBA. Yeah, and really they need to hit on, you know, the pick that they have, be it one, two, or three, and then they also need to to, to work some magic with trades because there's some, you know, the the periphery of the of the roster, guys like Larry Nance and Isaac Cor, those are pretty good players, but they're not the top three. They're not the backbone of a playoff team. Tommy Caroselli from the Gap to Gap podcast, as always. Appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Dave. All right, that'll do it for uh, this edition of Sports for CLE. We will see you again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Scheduled guests, Chris Fedor and Jeff Phelps. Have a great night, everybody. We will see you tomorrow at 4 on Sports for CLE.